Wait a minute. Hear this. Growth Farm Production. This is the Scalable Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Luigi Prestonetti. And each week, we will go on a journey, a journey that will inspire you, motivate you, and help you be the very best you can be. Our focus will be on mindset, tactics, and the strategies that will enable you to create more opportunities and win more deals. Welcome back to another episode of the Scalable Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Luigi Prestonenzi, and as always, I'm pumped, honored, and excited that you have joined us for what will be a masterclass session today. So this week, we have a different flavor to our podcast. As you know, we usually have a guest that comes on and talks about a particular topic, but this week I'm going to be running this solo. And over the next few months, I'm going to be running a few solo sessions on different parts of the sales process because we have a different flavor coming to our show. We're going to be interviewing buyers. And the reason why we're going to be interviewing buyers, because yes, this podcast and a lot of other podcasts give you give some great insight on how you can sell, but I want to flip it. I want to actually ask buyers how they buy. What is the process they go through when making decisions? Why do they take meetings with salespeople? What do they do when they have a challenging internal conversation about trying to get a business case you know, off the ground? And I'm going to flip that so we can start to see things a little bit differently and start to see things from the buyer's perspective. But before we get into today's session, I just want to say, if you're a first-time listener, welcome. We hope you take away some actionable insight that you can implement immediately into your role And if you're a long-time listener, as always, thank you for showing up. I absolutely value the support that you give us each and every week because we create this podcast to help you be the very best sales professional you can be. So let's get into today's session. Now, today's session is all about cold emailing. And you're probably going, oh, Luigi, I've heard about cold emailing before. And absolutely. But the reality is if, and, and it's a new quarter. So we're a new quarter. For some, it's a new financial year. For others, it's a new month. But the great thing about the word new is we get to start again. Regardless how well you went last week, last month, last quarter, last financial year, you did well, you hit target, great. But if you didn't, and for there's a recent report that suggests 65 to 70% of salespeople didn't hit target. It's a great opportunity to start again and look and start to think about, okay, if I didn't hit target, what could I be doing differently so that I can actually be in more control of my pipeline? Now, there's a lot of factors that can impact not hitting target, right? So, you know, there's a lot of factors from an economic perspective, but what we do know is when you look at people, when you look at salespeople that are high-performing sales professional, there's a common attribute that we see across all high performers. And they are absolutely relentless in where they spend their time and spending their time on what they call, what we call a high-powerful activity, which is prospecting. And you've heard me say this before, and you're probably sick to death of hearing me talk about the importance of prospecting, but is it a critical part of any salesperson or sales professional's role? Now, I'm not going to talk today about the the premise of an omni-channel strategy, right? Of having, you know, phone, email, LinkedIn, et cetera, but I'm going to break this down. And so over the coming month or two months, I'm going to break it down from email to cold calling to LinkedIn outreach, et cetera. We're going to break this down and then we'll bring it all together in an episode where we'll talk about, well, how do we now bring it all together in an omni-channel cadence, right? But for today, it's cold email only. 
Now it's interesting, you know, because if there's a lot of a lot of sales professionals know the concept of writing a cold email, and there is some great resources out there to help. And we're going to put some links in the show notes on where you can get some of these resources. Uh, we recently did a session with the wonderful Jen Jen from Lavender, and we're going to put that link in the show notes as well because uh, she gave an incredible session for our Growth Forum community. But I just want to step through the process on how to construct a really strong cold email because email is still a critical way to engage with your audience, right? And then when you combine it with phone, social, all of a sudden, boom, you're getting serious traction. Now, let's go back. We have to think about people go, well, email alone is only, you know, one to 3% conversion. And absolutely, email alone is, it can be a very low conversion and open rates can also be low. But there are a couple of structural things we need to think about when sending an email. The very first thing we need to think about, if you break it down, I want you to sort of visualize this, right? The very first thing we need to think about is our subject line, right? Emails, when we send them to our prospect, we are not the only person sending an email to a prospect. On average, they're getting between 120 to 140 emails a day. So the email is getting jammed, constantly jammed. And now that we have the wonderful AI, ChatGPT, and sequencing tools, there's going to be more and more emails that will be flooding our buyer's inbox. So we are competing with all these other messages that are getting hammered into their inbox. So the very first outcome that we're looking to achieve is we're looking for our buyer, for our prospect to just open our email. That's the first outcome we're looking for. Now, when we send emails and you you might put the name of the person, comma, subject. A lot of people are doing this. So what's happening is the buyer or the prospect is looking at their inbox and they're kind of having that mental spam filter and going, you know what, I can already tell that's a cold email from someone trying to sell me something and I'm going to delete that and not even open it. And and the data shows 50% of emails are deleted before they're open, right? So what we want to try to avoid doing is making our emails look like it's an email from someone that's looking to sell something. Now, I get it. We are at some point trying to have a conversation so we can potentially position a solution to a problem that they might be having, right? I get that. But we've got to be thinking, even before I get to that conversation, I need to earn the right. I just need to get them aware of who I am and have a, get a conversation going, right? So the subject line should be, it should look like something they're receiving from an internal email from, you know, another colleague or somebody that they know. Uh, that's the first outcome that we're looking or the first objective from the subject line. The other thing I want you to think about with the subject line, and, and I see this often when I get these emails, you know, they've got seven, eight, nine, ten words in the subject line, it gets cut off. You have a short you know, space, uh, a real estate from a subject perspective, it gets cut off. So try to keep your your subject lines to three to four words maximum, okay? Remove emojis. Don't put emojis in there. Um, also spam words like sale, complimentary, free. Um, there's a whole bunch of spam words. And again, check the show notes. There's an article that covers all the different words that can trigger the spam filter which means you don't even get into their main inbox. You'll go into their secondary or junk, which is even worse um, because then your message isn't even, not even going to get seen, right? So the first thing you need to think about is your subject line. Now, the next thing I want you to think about is the very first line of the email. 
Now, there's a lot of debate around this, right? Personalization, relevance, should you spend time researching or shouldn't you? Now, I, I am in the camp of you should be spending time researching and I'll tell you why. We are not sales professionals that are just jamming 500 to 1,000 contacts into a sequencing tool and then pressing play and just it's going on autopilot. And we're going, you know, I'm going to sit back and wait for the meetings to be booked into my calendar. That sounds great. And a lot of people profess that you can you can personalize at scale and you can do all this automation and all this fun stuff and that's great. But I want you to think about it from the buyer's perspective. The buyers and the pros, our prospects are getting quite educated and they are starting to see trends in the emails that are being sent to them. And they're starting to see which emails are coming from a sequencing tool and which emails are not. I come from the school that, you know what, I want my prospect to know that I've spent some time researching them. And I'm not talking researching them to say, hey, and I've got one of these yesterday. I see you went to this university. That's great. Why the hell does that matter to me that you're telling me I went to a certain uni? It's not relevant. But what is relevant is that if I do some research and I find a trigger about the individual, they might have just changed role. There might be a particular legislation change or compliance change in their industry. But if I've done some research and I've leveraged that research in the first line to show them that I know them and I'm, you know, the, the famous Samantha McKenna, I love, I love her content because she talks about show me, you know me. But if you're showing in that first line that you've done a little bit of research, then all of a sudden your the percentage, your chances of them reading on is quite high, right? Because they can see, hang on a second, this is not just another generic message that's being sent from an automation tool. Somebody's taking the time to make this relevant to me. Now, triggers are important. Why? Because triggers create relevance, right? And as I said before, there are a number of triggers. The triggers could be job change. It could be, you know, a lot of people have overused the capital, the funding, the, you've just raised capital. Congratulations on your Series B fundraising. Hey, can you, can we chat so you can give me some of it? <laughs> um, they've been overused, but it could be a merger and acquisition. Um, it could be that they've, they've lowered the amount of staff, which is an indication that something's changing in their business. Um, obviously the trigger needs to connect to something of relevance that you can talk to them about, right? Um, job change is a really good one because most C-level executives make change in their role within the first 90 days, right? Because they usually join, join the company, do a bit of an assessment early and then look to make some changes because they're looking for some quick wins. So it's often um, the first 90 days is when they're most open to having a conversation about something that's important in their role. So leveraging a triggers are obviously quite key. Now, the other benefit that comes from doing some research, and this is the wonderful world of LinkedIn, whether it's a LinkedIn or sales navigator, when you pull up your contacts details in LinkedIn, you can actually see who you know that's connected to them, right? And this is a goldmine because if you know somebody that's connected and you ask your friend or your close contact or whoever you know that's connected, how well you do you know them and there's a good relationship, then you can get a referral, then what you're doing is A, your subject line, your your subject line is changed completely because you'll say, you know, James X suggested we connect or James X as the subject line, they'll know that person, click it and the very first line says, James X suggested we connect. So all of a sudden, there's a higher level of personalization and relevance. Now, I've validated this. I interviewed a CFO from a very, very large airline and he said to me, um, I accept 
of referrals that come into my inbox. So if somebody in my network refers somebody to me, I'll accept that. I'll actually talk to them first. I might not buy from them all, but I'm happy to have a conversation with them because it's coming from somebody within their trusted network. It's like a circle of influence. So that is a very powerful trigger if you can find it, right? Now, the next thing, if you can't find a trigger, um, then the next thing what you can do from a personalization perspective is maybe seek to identify or use a common problem that you're seeing across the sector that's affecting that particular persona. So if you're selling into chief marketing officers and you know that because you've worked with 20 to 30 chief marketing officers selling a particular solution, you'll get to see some trends and what are the most common problems, you can lead with that type of statement to talk about, hey, this is what we're seeing. There's a, there's a common problem that, are, that is affecting performance and you know ABC. Then you lead in with the insight that you can potentially share about it, right? Because insight means that you can provide a level of education. You can teach them. You can help them see things differently. And that is the way in which you're building your email structure to say, hey, I want to bring a point of view that'll help you see things a little bit differently and regardless of if we move forward or not, you're going to take away some actionable insight from an interaction with me. So that's your premise. That's what you're thinking. And that should be your mentality when building your emails. If you lead in your emails with, hey, I work for X company and this is what we do and these are the services we offer, you'll be actually come up with a barrier, right? Because they're going, I don't need this. Unless they're that 3% of the market that's looking for what you sell, they're going to, you know, push back and say, this is not, this is not for me, right? Because you're leading with a feature and this is where we need to flip it. So we want to lead with outcomes that are important to our personas. And again, if we've done our research, if we know what's important to our personas and we know that they, they're, they're suffering from a, a particular problem, then you can lead with, hey, I've got some insight on how other people are, are addressing this problem and achieving X result. And then your last part of your email, which is a simple call to action, which I have been after having Maggie Bloom um, on, our, on our podcast, I've actually changed my CTA and it's working incredibly well. I ask a, a sort of a closed-ended CTA, which is a call to action. You know, something as simple as, uh, is it worth, you know, it doesn't make sense for us to connect. Um, you open to a chat, um, very, very soft. You're removing any tension about it and you're just asking him for a yes or a no. And so I just want to go back a step. So remember, subject line, three, four words maximum. Remove any spam words, remove any emojis. Try to make it look like an internal email. Then your first line needs to show them that you know them and then you have to address a particular problem that your research is telling you is something that is important to your prospects. And then what is your insight that you want to share with them about an, achieving an improved result and then your call to action. And that's a very simple structure. Now, some other things I want you to think about your structure. Try to keep them to single lines and put a space in between each line. You might be going, but grammar, that's, that's wrong from a grammar perspective, right? You've got to remember that a lot of your prospects are looking at the emails from their mobile and it needs to be mobile friendly and easy to read because otherwise if there's too much text in each line, it'll be cluttered. It'll be, it'll be all be clustered. It's very hard to read and they'll skip through it. A couple of other things. 
try to keep the the limitate for words between 50 to 70 words now 11 to say 50 words but i've had success doing 60 70 even 80 right so but 50 to 70 words is a good rule of thumb okay PSs also work really well, right? Like PS, great post on X really resonated with me or whatever it might be, right? Um, and that is that is a very simple structure and formula that if you start to implement in your cold email, you'll start to get um, more people opening, more people reading because remember they're skimming the email. That's the other thing that Lavender says. It's about 11 seconds they spend reading your email. But if you follow this framework um, and this structure, you'll actually start to see uh, a higher level of engagement from your emails and you'll get some, you'll actually get more replies. And then again, if you listen in over the next few weeks, when we do another session on this and we talk about cold calling and then we talk about LinkedIn and we talk about bringing it together in a cadence, all of a sudden you're going to have a 15 to 20% conversion on this, right? Now in the show notes, there's a couple of key resources. There's a couple of links to some podcasts, a podcast with Maggie, There'll be a link with an episode or, or, or a session that um, Jen from Lavender ran for us. And I'm also going to attach uh, a link to a playbook that has the cold email structure that I've just spoken about so that it makes it easier for you to execute on this, okay? The key thing is there is don't, don't look for perfection. If you want some support, download Lavender. I'll also put a link in show notes for Lavender. Um, it's a great email, a cold email assistant. It's like having a coach literally on your Chrome extension. So it's amazing, right? Leverage these tools. Um, but the key thing is don't ever stress about writing the perfect email. I booked um, a meeting with a C-level executive from one of the largest credit unions in Australia. And if you look at the email, it was horrible, right? Didn't follow any of that that framework, but there was a lot of research and a lot of personalization and it got me the meeting and I've sent some cracking emails that I thought guaranteed to get me a meeting that got me nothing, right? But the reality is it's, you've got to follow. There's some first principles that if you follow, you'll be able to see certain results. And the key thing is we can't, there's no shortcuts. If we're going to look to cut corners, if we're going to look to go, I just want to jam 500 people into a sequencing tool and sit back, sipping my pina colada, waiting for meetings to get booked into my calendar. You know what? That's a great strategy. Hope, use hope as a strategy because as we know, hope is not a strategy. Um, but the key thing is, right, the key thing to remember is selling is not easy. Selling can be quite difficult. But if you put the work in and you continue to look and refine and use these type of resources and other resources and people and, and look at people like Jen from Lavender, um, get these tools like Lavender, et cetera, what it, what it will do, it'll make it easier for you to execute this process, okay? So look, I hope you've taken away a bit of value from this particular episode. Um, keep a lookout. Like I said, we've got some great content coming up with buyers. I'm going to run some other solo sessions. I'm going to continue to drop more resources to make this process easier for you to help you be the very best sales professional you can be. And also keep a lookout. We've got some great events coming up at Growth Forum. We have Mark Hunter, who is an incredible author, who's going to be doing um, prospecting masterclass. We have how to use AI. We have a whole bunch of great sessions, how to conquer imposter syndrome. Um, so keep a lookout, check it out in the show notes. We've got some great sessions coming up. Again, our main motivation, we just want to help. We just want to help the community be the very best they can be. 